The Bible refers to believers as a city on a hill, shining for all to see, not just so people can see them, but so that people can find their way to the city. The city shines because of the people inside of the city. Basically, what Jesus was alluding to was to shine as believers in such a way that you lead people to him. Our vision is to reach the lost one relationship at a time. One of our core values is that God values all people. Therefore, we value all people. In other words, everyone matters to God. And because everyone matters to God, we're going to learn how we can be proactive in letting people know they matter to the Lord. Hey, could you just do that right now? Just look at someone and just say, you matter to God. Just tell them, you matter to God. Yeah. And smile when you say that because it should come with a smile. It shouldn't be in a mean face, you know, you matter to God. But I think we tend to forget that in everything that we do, God sees. And as we kick off this new series, Being a City on a Hill, it will remind us that that's who Christ calls us to be. That when you first come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, something changes in your heart. Isn't it true that you can live in this world for a long time, but then when you hear the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that we now have an opportunity to receive him as our Lord and Savior and have eternal life, be forgiven of our sins, it changes everything inside of us. But now that he has called us to be this city on a hill or a light that shines, the reason why he calls us to be this light that shines is so that other people can now find him. And that's the whole process of being what we call a Christian you know, that word Christian has a misinterpretation when it comes to the media at times because you have some that represent God well and then you have those who don't represent God well. And then you have those who are right in the middle and then some are in the extreme, some on the other side. And so that word Christian is, is kind of blurred by the world because they don't know which one is the so-called right one. Well, when Jesus was questioned, he made it plain and simple. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So in essence, what Jesus was saying is, don't go by terms or definition. Go by who I am. And so that's why we preach out of the word of God. And that's why we talk about Jesus. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you can model your life after Jesus... You won't have to worry about which Christianity am I supposed to follow. The only way we get that word Christian is from following Jesus. If you're reading your devotions with us in the book of Acts, we're reading about that. They were first called Christians because they were following Jesus. They were his disciples. A disciple is a follower, a learner, and they were learning from Jesus. And so now they're called Christians, but now you fast forward the tape 2,000 years later... That word Christian is so blurred that people have a, a, almost like a, a shield or a, a force field around them once they hear the word Christian. And so I always believe that what the Bible says, that I'm a Christ follower. And yeah, we'll use the term Christian, but it really means Christ follower. So now God gives us the responsibility to represent him well, not the religion, Christianity. Do you hear the heart behind it? It's we represent the Lord well. You know, we live in a, a world that uh, is so full of media, hype, and uh, information gets, gets uh, 
communicated so quickly, you know, with our, uh, our islands. And what we've been dealing with in the past couple of months has been pretty interesting. And first it was Hurricane Acel, and then uh, there was a, another hurricane following that one, and then that one, was, uh, dis- that one dissipated. But then we were dealing with lava. And as of yesterday, I believe, it, it has kind of slowed and was at a standstill. Uh, and then also, Hurricane Anna was coming. So everyone was kind of fearful, and, and the talk in the, the grocery store and, and at work was all about the things happening. And then this Ebola thing comes up. And then that one is even more of a scare because everywhere you are on the news or every channel you turn to, the newspapers, the media, it's all about this virus. And so Heidi and I were watching the news on this um, one, it, it's, it's not a TV, I think it's like an app or something, and it just goes one story after another and it just continues. But it, that's what it was all about, was about this Ebola uh, virus. And as we're watching it, I start to feel something change in my heart. And I start to feel like, whoa, what if this thing spread? What if this thing did this? What if this happened? You know, my son is on the mainland and, and all of these things come to mind. And I, I, I told Heidi, I said, just turn this off. Just turn it off. And what we talked about was it's so easy for us to get distracted. That's exactly what the enemy wants. If he can bring fear into us, he wins. Think about it, any sporting, any sporting game, you can have the best players on your team, the best talent, but if you're fearful of the other team, you've already lost. You didn't even start the game and you, you lost. And so what we did is we, we restructured our brain or the way we were thinking, we, we reconfigured our perspective, we, we went from a different perspective and then we went to God's perspective. God's perspective is this, that you are a city on a hill. You cannot be hidden. That you would shine for all to see. And that's what we want to talk about today. With all that is happening in our world, someone needs to shine God's hope. It's not going to be the world. It's not going to be the media. It's not going to be books. It's going to be God's people who is alive and well in His Spirit. Because if His Spirit is speaking in and through us, then we should be speaking what He says to us and through us to other people. Rather than bringing fear or adding to it or agreeing with the fear, just go back to what the Lord says. And every single person matters. You know, in your bulletin, we're going to have um, some notes that you can follow along. And, and today, we're going to be talking about everyone matters. And it's split that way. It's, yes, it's a compound word, but it's also in itself that every one, number one, matters. One person matters to God. If you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have still died for you. You matter that much to him. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, and I'll read from verses 13 through 16. The Bible says that you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then, it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Then it says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may, what? That they may 
see your good works and then glorify whose father? Your father in heaven. So what the Bible is letting us know is you're supposed to do something with this light. It, it's, it's for a reason that God shines his light to us and through us. There, there's a reason for it. You cannot find a city that is on a hill if there are no lights shining. That's what happens when there's a war, when there's a blackout. That's so that the enemy cannot find where the people are or where the city is. There's a blackout. But now we have technology, so I'm not sure if that works, but that's what they did. There was a blackout. Let not us, let's not the church black out. Let's be lights that shine. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how long you've known the Lord. The instant you say yes to Jesus Christ, a light goes on. And it shines in such a way that all should see. Jesus is using this as an illustration to say that if you're salt, you're going to add flavor to the rest of the world because the world is flavorless. If you think about it, the world will continuously repeat itself. It will continuously repeat itself. If you look throughout history, we're doing the same thing we did back in the first century. Same thing. It's all about money. It's all about position. It's all about getting more and getting more and getting more. We will always have the earthquakes, the diseases. We'll always have these things. It's, it repeats itself. But the, but the one thing that changes everything is when God brings to life an individual who is caught up in all of this and says, but you are the salt of the earth. That the earth is flavorless. It's going to do the same thing over and over. Same recipe over and over. But you're going to add a dash of salt to it. So now there's flavor. And now there's hope into this world. You know, when Jesus uses that, that word salt, it's, a, it's, a, a, it's an ingredient that brings out flavor. And I don't know about you, but when my mom would make something, you know, she would make like chicken and papaya. And oh, what a great day for that. But she would make chicken and papaya. And... If you were to add salt or show you to it, she would be like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I, I just wanted to add a little bit. She would get upset. And some cooks will be like that. If you cook something, if you're a cook and you cook something, and then you see someone adding Tabasco or show you or ketchup, and you just put a lot of ketchup on it, you're thinking, you just ruined my dish. I spent five hours on this thing. But they're trying to add flavor to it. Some people, they just add because they're, they're just addicted to it. Some of you can eat ketchup with rice, just ketchup and rice. Some of you throw mayonnaise on everything. Some of you throw shoyu on everything. Even though there is flavor, you're just addicted to it. You have to have it. But what Jesus was saying is it's not an addiction. It's really the world is flavorless. The world needs salt added to it. And he's going to use you and I as believers so that they can taste and see how good God is. You know, if you and I are doing what the Bible asks us to do, then more people will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior as you and I have. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden because all the lights in the city shine for people to see. When you go to a sporting game, you can see the lights already from a distance. You, you don't even have to be in the stadium, but you can see it. When the county fair is on, you can see the lights that are shining from a far distance. That's what Jesus was saying, that you shine in such a way that people can see you from a far distance. They don't even have to be close to you, but they recognize something different in your life. And that when you add salt to their life, 
they would understand that they matter because everyone matters. Jesus says, let your light so shine, which means you matter. And if you matter, so does everyone else. You know, if people don't understand that they don't matter, and if people don't, don't, don't are, are, are not added into the kingdom of God or they don't have that extra flavor, then they, don't, then they feel that they don't matter. They feel that life is cheap. Then they're, they're going to feel that no sense live. They're going to feel that, well, no sense to, to strive to become better for God or, or for anything. And then life becomes cheap. They treat people that way because they feel they don't matter. And if they feel they don't matter, they're going to feel that nobody else matters at the same time. And I think we all can agree that we, we do understand that everyone matters. We do understand that God creates everyone with a purpose. That there's no one that's existing in this world that God just says, oh, well, I just take up space. No, he has a purpose for every individual. Regardless of what other people say, you have a purpose and you matter. You matter to God. You matter to him so much that he gave his one and only son so that he could die for the sins of the world so that we could have eternal life in him. I'm going to read a story. It's found in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 43. And I'm going to read to verse 51. Uh, and you can turn there if you want to. John is in the New Testament, 1 John, uh, I'm John, chapter 1. And this is where Jesus is going to kind of give us a, an example of what it means to show people that they matter. That they're not just existing in this world. In verse 43, John chapter 1, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip. And he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter who were brothers and they were disciples of Jesus. Now Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him. Notice there's three areas already that we hear this word found. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Well, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Now, that's a kind of a weird greeting. You know, if, when we are introduced to someone and they say, oh, uh, Sheldon, this is so-and-so, they don't say to me, wow, a person from Waminalo in whom tells the truth. They don't say things like that. That's, a, that's an odd thing to say. And if, anyway, so now, they're, now in, this, in this instance where Jesus is being introduced to this man, Nathaniel, Jesus says, wow, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Now, Nathaniel coming towards him, says, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now listen to this conversation. It's, it's, it almost sounds odd if we don't know the context of it. Jesus sees this man, says, hey, greeting uh, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel says, how do you know me? He says, well, before Nathaniel called you, uh, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And just out of that statement, he says, oh, you are the son of God. How can that be? You are the son of God. So, he, so something took place that 
brought him to this conclusion, that you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Oh, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So interesting conversation. Nathaniel being under the fig tree. Jesus seeing him. But now Nathaniel saying, well, you are the son of God. What was, what was Nathaniel doing under the fig tree? Was he just kicking back, relaxing? Was he under the shade? What was he doing? Well, there, there was a, a practice that a lot of the Jewish men did. And because they were waiting for the Messiah, they were praying for the Messiah, it could very well be that Nathaniel was under the fig tree praying for the Messiah. He could have been at that time where he would pray and ask God for his mercies, whatever it would be. All we know is whatever it was, Jesus connected with him in such a way that he saw past Nathaniel's exterior and he was able to see the inner man, the soul of Nathaniel. And when Jesus said what he said, it was exactly what Nathaniel needed to hear. And I think we get that all the time. We'll be sitting here and we'll be listening and then a scripture will come up, an illustration will be brought, something will be talked about and you will sense God speak to you and you'll say, wow, how did you know that I was going through that? Because before you came here, Jesus saw you. Whatever you were doing, he saw you. He knows us very well because everyone matters. You matter to God that much. It's not a coincidence that when you come to church and God speaks to you, and it's specific. Sometimes we doubt God and then he speaks something to us and then we say, well, that's just coincidence. No, it's not. It's his spirit speaking to you because you matter. I've done that. I hear something, I'm like, well, Lord, that's from you. Because we matter to him. Everyone matters. And every single person can live beyond just existing and, and, and find their potential and live a life that truly matters, that truly makes a difference in this world. We just need to understand that we matter to God. And then what do we matter for? Here's the first thing we can write down if you're taking some notes, that I matter to Jesus. I matter to Jesus. You know, you can say that in your mind and in your heart. You can remind yourself. Just say it to yourself. I matter to Jesus. I matter to Jesus. The moment you forget that you matter to Jesus is the moment you'll just blend in with everything else. But you matter to him. He believes in you that you have potential. Nathaniel responds to Jesus, how do you know me? How do you know me? As if to confirm what's been happening in his heart. Nathaniel is already going through something. And when Jesus said what he said, Nathaniel's like, wait a minute, how do you know me? How do you know what's going on? Well, before Philip found you, I, I saw you. In other words, before you find Jesus, he is already looking for you. Sometimes we feel like, well, I, gotta, I, I, I'm, I don't know yet if I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't know yet. You know, I'm still searching. He's, he already knows where you are. He already sees you. The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. So God is always on the lookout for hearts that are completely his. He's always searching for us. Before we find him, he already sees us because you matter to him. Jesus spoke all the time that everyone 
matters. He told stories about the parables, or the parable of the lost coin, the lost son. He always spoke that, that these one thing, these things matter. And he was illustrating that every single person matters to God. The prodigal son, that they matter to the father. Every single person matters to God, the lost sheep. In fact, Matthew 18, verse 11 through 14, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Then he says this. He gives them kind of an illustrative story. He says, What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, or surely I say to you, he rejoices over that sheep than over the 99, more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. See, the whole The heart behind what Jesus was saying is, even though there may be a hundred sheep, even though there may be a lot of sheep, but one goes astray, that one lost sheep still matters to the shepherd. Sometimes we can feel like we're lost in the crowd, that we don't matter. But God says, no, 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 the 99 is okay. It's the one that goes astray. That's the one that feels that they don't matter. They do matter. They all matter. But not in the context of a crowd. They matter. Everyone matters. So when Jesus gives this story, he's allowing us to, to break beyond the walls of a church, break beyond our walls. And remember, there are still people who don't know Jesus Christ. One person. That they don't know the Lord. If he should find it, he rejoices more over that sheep. Why? Because that one lost sheep mattered to the shepherd. He found Philip, and Philip found Nathaniel, and tells him they have found Jesus. It's all coming back to Jesus Christ. That word found means after searching or to find a thing sought. You know, when you search for something for a long time and you find it, like your keys, or if you're in a rush and you find it, oh, doesn't it feel good that you found it? Or you lose your wallet or your purse or your bag or your phone. It's probably the worst one. But when you find it, oh, my phone! Your kids were okay. Your family was okay. It doesn't mean you're not concerned about them. It means you lost something valuable to you. Something mattered to you. Now, when we talk about reaching the loss, it doesn't mean people don't matter it means we're okay we know jesus christ we have eternity but then there are those that don't know jesus christ and they matter to god here's a second thing we can learn from this and this is what evangelism is all about is that others matter to jesus if you and i matter to jesus we we are the others we are the others we are those people we are them that are now in God's kingdom. So now let's go look for others 
who have gone astray. Look for others that are lost without Christ. And although they may feel that they're okay, everyone matters. It may take time to find them. It may take time for them to come to know the Lord. But we have to understand that other people matter to God. The seat next to you, if it's empty, it's empty for a reason. It's because others matter to Jesus, and that's their seat. When we first purchased these seats, uh, we, I think it was $40 a seat, and you might have been here at that time. We actually, everyone would purchase a seat for themselves. So Heidi and I purchased a seat for us. It was $40, and so we contributed to the fund. It was $40, we gave to it. But then the heart behind it was to buy two seats. So Heidi and I gave $80 each to buy two seats so that we would have an empty seat next to us to invite someone to church because everyone matters. And then the hope would be that they would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that all of eternity would be theirs also, and that they would understand that God loves them with a passion because others matter to Jesus. And now it's up to us to find people whom Jesus already sees to be that city on a hill so that other people can find Christ and then show them how Jesus has changed our life. We don't have to tell them. They're tired of hearing it. They're tired of hearing all the, all the great things. They want to see it. They want us to be that example rather than continuously telling them over and over what they're doing that is wrong. They want to see, and that's what the Bible says, see our good works, and then they glorify God in heaven. Jesus already sees us before we find him. He already sees us. He says to Nathaniel, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And so now he comes to know Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 applies to him. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know when you reconcile with someone? Remember when we were kids and, you know, the kids would fight? I did this with my grandchildren the other, the other time uh, that we were watching them. And they were in the room and I could hear them pulling toys you know, give me that, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. And they're maybe a year and a half, two years apart. So they're fighting with the toys. And then they push each other and push. And as, as I'm coming into the room, I see them do this. And so I looked at them and I said, what are you guys doing fighting? I said, do you guys want to fight? And they said, yes. <laughs> they said, yes. I said, do you guys want to fight? They said, yeah. I said, go. Go ahead, go fight. And they're looking at me. I said, come on. Okay, enough already. And so I talked to them about what they're doing, that they were to share, that they were to reconcile, tell each other sorry. You know, we'll say sorry to each other when we're kids because our parents or grandparents told us to. But I wonder if we grow up with the words of sorry, but we don't understand what reconciliation is. We're given the ministry of reconciliation. It's a ministry. It's not a thing to do. It's a way to live, to be reconciled. And now Jesus says, you are now given that ministry, that he gave that to us. That word gave is to commission. That's a song we sang this morning. He commissions us. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He commissions us. 
It's a task, a job, a mission, or assignment. He commissioned us unto the ministry of reconciliation. It's helping other people be reconciled with God. In Matthew 28, we call it the Great Commission because this is what we stand by. Even as a church, this is where we get our mission statement from. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That means Jesus is still here with us now. He commissions us so that we can go out into the world and let other people know about Him. And you might be saying, but we live in such a world that is, it's so hard to talk about Jesus. I don't, I don't know if I can do that at work. I don't know if I can do that uh, where, I, where I live or, or in the, the community that I'm in or, or as, a, as a person who believes in God and, and the position that I hold. I don't know if I can do that. Uh, yeah, we do live in a world that is trying to silence God and try to silence the name of Jesus and trying to kick out the Bible and the commandments from different areas. That's why Jesus said to shine as lights. That's why he says to shine. Now listen very carefully. People can try to silence you and I from saying God bless you, from saying Christian things. They can even take down the commandments. They can try to silence the Bible, but they can never snuff out your light. The world cannot do that. Darkness cannot overtake light. It's scientifically proven. Light casts out darkness. It's just that simple. Can you dim these lights real quick? Just black it out. You see how fast that was? Just black out the lights, these, the stage lights. Just black it out. Yeah. Okay, and turn off all the lights. Oh, you did all the lights. Okay, you can leave these ones on. Okay, so you're in dark right now. Oh, those ones came on. Okay, turn on the other lights. You see how quick darkness flees? It's like there's, there's no chance for darkness to be darkness when a light turns on. Now, let me ask you a question, and I want you to answer this question. Did the light speak a word? No. The light said not one word. And what Jesus is saying is, when you go out into the world, that you shine as lights, you may not even have to speak a word, but just by your lifestyle, you turn that on, darkness must flee. It must flee. Now, yes, we do our very best to keep godly values. We do our very best to, to um, you know, uh, bring in people in our communities that have godly values. And, and we're not saying one person is not important or this organization is less valuable. Everyone matters to God. That's why you have, I think it's in your bulletin, you have this paper because our upcoming election, people were asking, I don't know who to vote for. Is this in your bulletin? Okay. What we wanted to do is equip you so that you can actually decide for yourself who you're going to vote for. Go and make disciples. In other words, go teach people about godly values. 
Some people are asking, well, I know who to vote for. I just go by a party. I go Republican or Democrat or Independent. I think we're, we're way past those times of voting by party. I mean, we see politicians go from one party to the next, to this one, to that one, and then afterwards it's just, we don't know where they stand. So I had to make a decision to say, I, I, I have to really go back to, Lord, what are you asking of me and what values do I have? That's the kind of people that I want to have governing me. And so hopefully this helps you. And I would, I would strongly encourage you to vote. Please vote. Now I know what you may be saying. No sense. No sense vote because it's all messed up. It's all messed up. So no sense. No sense vote. That's why it gets messed up. Because we're voting for not voting. That's our vote. We're actually saying, I like it messed up. So that's why I don't vote. I had to take responsibility in my early 20s to say, hang on. My children and grandchildren are going to live in the world that I make with the people I vote in. Every one matters. Every one matters. Every vote matters. You matter. God gave you the responsibility in this great nation. We're still a great nation because the people are great. We're still a great nation. Keep it great. Do what we're supposed to do in this great nation. We've, given the, we've been given the privilege to vote, the honor to vote. It's our responsibility. We are a government of the people, for the people, by the people. We're still a great nation. So here's the last thing. And I want to commission you with this. Go and shine like Jesus. Go and shine like Jesus. The whole point of us being found by Jesus is to, oh, is to become more and more like Him. Genesis 1.27 reminds us of this, that God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. We have in this room male and female. He created us that way. So shine just like Jesus. Well, I'm not as gifted as this person or that person. I don't have this uh, gifting. I don't have this type of personality. Are you created in the image of God? Then that's what you need. You're created in the image of God. Now, some people will say, wow, you look like your mother. You look like your father. Or you act like your mother. You act like your father. You act like your mom. You act like your dad. But you're created in the image of God. What better image to bear than the one that created you. You are in the image of God. That's your foundation. When mankind sinned, we started a downward spiral to make our own images and live for our own life apart from the Creator. And Jesus died to bring us back to our purpose. And some people understand this. Some will reject this. But it is, it is our assignment to go into the world and shine in such a way that people see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And Jesus said, I say to you, Nathaniel, I saw you. I saw you under the fig tree. But now you will see greater things. You will see heaven open up. You know what Jesus was doing? He was commissioning Nathaniel. From Jesus seeing him, 
to now Nathaniel seeing what Jesus saw in him so that Nathaniel could see what Jesus sees in others. That's what being commissioned is all about, to be just like Jesus to other people, to go out into the world and be just like Jesus, to now see in people what Jesus saw in us. Because now you have the spirit of the living God in you. You will see heaven open up. The angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He said, greater things than these you will see. When Jesus said greater things than these that you will see, he was letting Nathaniel know that, yes, you are an Israelite. Now, I'll give you a little bit of history so that we can have this context. An Israelite was someone from the lineage of the man Israel who was called Jacob before that. Remember Jacob and Esau? Well, Jacob's name was changed to Israel because he wrestled with the angel of the Lord and then he prevailed or God prevailed. The angel prevailed. So his name was changed to Israel, wrestled with God. And so now Israel, who was called Jacob, has all these children and Nathan is a part of that lineage. But the name Jacob was actually like cunning or, or um, almost like um, uh, uh, deceptive. Because when Jacob and Esau were born, Jacob grabbed the heel of Esau. And so as they were born, uh, Jacob was called Jacob because that meant heel holder. So it's like there was a, almost like a, a deceitful spirit that Jacob had. He was very cunning and crafty. And so by the time it comes to Nathaniel being an Israelite, Jesus says, yeah, you're an Israelite, but you're not cunning. You're not deceitful. You're not crafty. That's not in you. He said, Nathaniel, you're different. That's not who you are. You're different. Go and be like me. You don't have to follow that spirit of deceitfulness. You don't have to follow that, that lineage that said, this is who you are. Yes, you're part of that lineage. But that's not your identity. And what Jesus did was he brought in his true identity. That now you're going to see the heavens open up. The angels ascending and descending on, this, on the Son of Man. And if you know your Bible well, that was Jacob's ladder. Remember that vision that he had, the angels descending and ascending? Well, Jesus was saying to Nathaniel, yeah, you know that prophetic word, but now you're going to see greater things. You're going to see something change in this world, that you're going to see the Son of Man do something different, that you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, that as he goes out into the world and reach people and reach out to people, that now people have an opportunity to have the kingdom of heaven and to have eternal life. And you're going to see that, Nathaniel. And this was the great sight that Jesus was talking about to Nathaniel. That you're going to see greater things than what you've been brought up with. 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Go and shine like Jesus did into this world. Charles Spurgeon, who was a 
a British Baptist preacher in the 18, late 1870s, uh, late 1800s. He spoke a sermon, and I, I got a little excerpt from his sermon, so some of the, the language may be a little different than the way we speak today, but I wanted to read a message that he spoke on March 20th, 1870. And it ties in with what we're talking about this morning. And, and he starts off with this way, in, in this way. He says, Open your eyes but to the candlelight of the law, and you shall soon behold the sunlight of the gospel. The Lord is very gracious to fulfill the gospel rule to him that has been given, to him that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance. If you acknowledge the king of Israel, you shall see him as the Lord of hosts before whom archangels veil their faces and to whom sephirim are servitors. The great sight, I suppose, Nathaniel saw as a result of his faith was not the transfiguration nor the ascension as some, some suppose, but a spiritual view of Christ in his mediatorial capacity as the great link between earth and heaven. This is indeed a sight transcending all others. We are not divided from the invisible. We are not separated from the infinite. The mortal has communion with the immortal. The sinner speaks with the Holy One. Prayers climb up to heaven and benedictions descend by the way of the great substitute. Can you see this, O soul? If so, the sight will make you glad. You are not exiled now. You are only at the foot of the stairs which lead to the upper chamber of your father's house. Your God is above and bright spirits traverse constantly the open gangway of the mediator's person. Here is joy for all the saints, for this ladder can never be broken. Our communion is abiding in Him. Charles Spurgeon was basically saying, no one can break this connection between you and God, this ladder. No one can break that communion. So go out into the world and shine as lights that people may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven because every one matters. You may get lost in the crowds of people, but God will give you a heart for that one person. Introduce them to Jesus, the light of the world, by simply shining your light because they matter to God. And we're going to pray this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. And maybe God will put someone on your heart. Maybe he has been doing that. Maybe you already have that person in your heart. Maybe you invited them to church over and over again. Maybe you, you've, you tried every angle or, or you've been praying for them. Maybe they're here with you today or someone invited you and you're here. Maybe you just felt like you're supposed to be here. Whatever it is, it is the Spirit of God drawing you to himself. And so, Lord, our prayer this morning is, is that you would give us eyes to see. Open up the floodgates of heaven. Help us to see that one lost sheep, that one lost person, that person that has gone astray, that maybe they don't know that they matter to you. That you have put their names on our heart. Help us to remember them. We pray for them. We ask that you would give us an opportunity to introduce them to you. Maybe it's an invitation to church. Maybe it's just asking how they're doing. Maybe it's praying for them when they say they're not doing so well. Whatever it be, Lord, 
Show us what we need to do. Give us that opportunity. And as we do so, Lord, more people will come to know you as Lord and Savior. It's not about building a big church, Lord. It's about building big people, that their hearts would be drawn to you, that they wouldn't be people lost in this world, but that they would have a purpose. Many are living in fear. Love cast out all fear, and you are love. Give us that heart, Lord. Commission our soul today so that as we go out into the world, people will understand that they matter to you. Everyone matters. That's our heart's cry today, Lord. Can you do that in our hearts? Can you remind us, commission our soul, strengthen us, give us the words to speak or the words not to speak and the lifestyle to live. Social media will not do the job. We reach the lost one relationship at a time. You use different tools and technology, Lord, but it will always come back to a soul reaching a soul and a heart touching a heart and a face-to-face -face conversation with people that will truly make the difference in this world because every one matters to you. You could have done it from afar, but you came to this earth face-to-face -face with humanity to bring us back to yourself. Thank you for being the mediator. Thank you for being that person whom we can trust in that will give us the light to shine into this world. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said amen.